The individual who says that the God of the Bible is a violent, judgmental God can't be ignored, but these individuals need to know that the God of the Bible is always first all grace and good to all. Grace always comes first in our experience of God. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to make Christ known to the nations, go to traincpe.org or to discover more about our radio ministry or fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now let's turn to God's Word. In 2 Kings chapter 1, a series of judgments have fallen on a group of soldiers sent out to apprehend God's prophet Elijah. These individuals were recipients of multiple graces, but eventually God's judgment fell upon them. The fire that fell on Mount Carmel, upon the altar that Elijah had constructed, and upon the sacrifice that he had laid out before God for the sins of the people, that fire, A.W. Pink reminds us that fire will later fall on all of those who slighted that sacrifice and turned from that witness and ignored this extension of grace and this offering for them and refused to turn to God Refuse to turn to the God who is graciously calling them through all these things. That fire would fall on them, and that's what you see in these stories, in these accounts. It's been suggested that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. There are individuals who will say this. Again, I've had conversations with people like this. That the God of the Old Testament is an old, angry God of judgment, and the God of the New Testament is a God of love and acceptance. And as a part of their argument, they might turn you to Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. Take your Bibles and turn there. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. This is given as evidence that there's a new God that's been made known to us through Jesus Christ. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they, speaking of the villagers, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know the manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. The argument we made, what clear illustration do you have that Jesus had come to present to us a different God than the God of Elijah, right? But if you go on and keep reading in the story and keep reading the book of Luke, you'll see that you draw your conclusion too quickly if you just come to that idea. If you go on further in the story, you'll get to Luke chapter 19 where the Lord Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem and he's coming into Jerusalem just before he's going to be crucified. And as he enters the city, he's weeping over the city. And at this moment in time, he begins to pronounce God's judgment on that city. The days are coming soon when it will be surrounded by its enemies and it will be destroyed. You'll find it in Luke chapter 19, verses 43 and 44. Judgment that Christ pronounces. The Lord Jesus did come to save and not destroy. He did not come in the flesh in order to judge us. He didn't have to. He had a perfect capacity to understand the depth of our sin and the judgment we deserve without ever coming in the flesh. The reason the Lord Jesus came, he did have judgment in the mind, 
But the judgment he had in mind was the judgment he would receive on himself in our place for our sins. He came in order to live a sinless life in our place and to die the sinner's death in our place. The fire that would fall would first fall on him as the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus did come to save. And so the spirit of James and John on that day is not before that Samaritan village is not the same as the spirit of Elijah or the spirit that was on Jesus because here's what we've already learned. There must be grace before there's judgment. There must be grace before there's judgment. This Samaritan village has not heard of the Lord Jesus. They don't know anything about him. To them, he's just another religious pilgrim on his way to Jerusalem, just another Jew to whom their people are feuding with, and they don't want to allow him permission to pass through their land to go to a place that they have no honor and respect for. And grace must come before judgment. So God restrains fire on that city. Let's go back for a moment and remember that point, grace before judgment. Let's think of this in different ways. God sent judgment in Noah's day, remember? And he flooded all the earth. But remember this. Before God flooded the world in the days of Noah, he waited 120 years while Noah was building the ark. And alongside that build site, Noah preached regularly and proclaimed God's word and God's message and called the people back to God because grace comes before judgment. Fire fell on those two groups of 50 men on Elijah's day, but only after they had been exposed to the witness of God and the drought that he sent and the miracle fire that he sent upon Mount Carmel, and the outburst of rain that he sent upon the nation, and through the life of Elijah speaking to the nation, calling the nation back to God. Because grace, you see, comes before judgment. Jesus proclaims judgment on Jerusalem. Not one stone will remain upon the other. The city will be upturned in destruction. And it happened just as Jesus said. It happened 40 years after Jesus said it. But during those 40 years, A young church filled with the Holy Spirit will permeate the city of Jerusalem, declaring the resurrected Messiah as the answer and fulfillment of everything that their scriptures, the Holy Scriptures anticipated, because grace comes and precedes judgment. Always precedes judgment. But then, judgment comes. In grace, God allows us to see the flashings of His severity and justice to awaken us to Himself. The story in 2 Kings verse 1 is not meant to be buried in ancient history or to be considered the lure of an angry God who no longer threatens us. What has happened in human history will happen in human history. Judgment will come. The fire will fall on those who slight the sacrifice that has been offered in their place. Ahaziah should not have been concerned about the when of his death, but the what of it. What will happen to me after I die? What then? What is the condition of my soul? These are the questions that he should have been asking himself. We ourselves should be disturbed in knowing that underneath the quiet of all life, where grace now is pervading, knowing that that grace will come to an end and will end in judgment. Judgment is coming. Elijah didn't send the fire, by the way. God did. Hebrews 12, verses 25 and 29, we read this of God. Our God is a consuming fire. And God says then, I will not only shake the earth, but I will shake the heavens also. In his judgment, his fiery judgment. Judgment is going to come. Jude wrote about this in Jude 15. Here's what Jude wrote. Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all and to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Judgment. 
Judgment is coming. After grace comes judgment. And that judgment is not locked away in the days of Noah or in the days of Elijah. It lies ahead for every human being. Now is the day of grace. Judgment is coming. So what do we say? God is a lion. God is not safe. You can't domesticate him. You can't be careless around him. You can't dismiss him. You can't strut up to him with your demands. If you don't know this, Ahaziah should have known it from all that he experienced and all that he had seen. Certainly those captains should have known it. But the heart is quick to exalt itself against God. And we are quick to believe in ourselves more than we believe in him. The king says, come down quickly. Nothing's quicker than a lightning bolt. Matthew 24, 27 says this. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. That's what Jesus said. Judgment is coming. Grace before judgment. Judgment. And then here's what we see. In the midst of judgment, there's mercy. In the midst of judgment, there's mercy. In the middle of the lightning and fire that falls, God reveals himself to be one who holds precious the soul that seeks his mercy. Listen to this. No person may honestly call out for mercy from God and not find it. This wise, humble captain establishes or proves a rule with God. God is merciful to those who seek him and lay out their lives before him saying, God, consider me precious before yourself. You read the book of Revelation. It's a story of the last days of cataclysmic events and there you'll find the the gospel is preached by an army of 1,444 evangelists that there is a gospel being proclaimed by two great miracle-working prophets, that the gospel then is proclaimed by an angel that goes over all the earth proclaiming the everlasting gospel. Grace extended, mercy extended in the midst of the days of judgment. There you'll find works of revival and faith mingled together with those who turn to God being persecuted. There, after so many judgments fall, you'll also see silence over and over again. God will judge, and then there's silence. God will judge, and then there's silence. And in the silence, you will read that God is listening for anyone who would repent and turn to Him. Because God is merciful even in the midst of His judgments. Grace before judgment. Judgment. Justice. Justice must take place. It's even the cry of the human heart for justice. The sad thing is, it won't simply fall on those that you think are unjust. Fall on you if you don't cry out for grace and mercy. Grace before judgment, judgment, mercy, available in the midst of judgment. What's happening in our day today? Strange events are taking place all around us, aren't they? The world right now is all under house arrest to a large extent. Power is being expressed over so many lives. Faltering economies are being tied closer and closer together. You have to ask yourself what new world savior might arise to the rescue. What other Christ will people like sheep look to to keep them safe? Maybe now, maybe later, the end will soon be upon us. Death will only delay so long. Judgment is coming. But today is the day of grace and mercy is available you think about it for a moment 
What are the unknown entities of God expressing himself? Judgment is the thing that's the unknown entity. When God acts in judgment, what you see is an unleashing of chaos and turmoil that you can't imagine. You can't put it together. It seems disordered. And the thing that is unknown, the things that are unstable to us are the outcomes that are found in judgment. And it will come and it will be demanded of all men. And it is a fearful and unsettling thing to consider. But grace and mercy... These outcomes, the outcomes of grace and mercy, we know, and they're assured, and they're not chaotic. They're ordered, and they're principled, and they're expressed in wonderful promises, and they're to be experienced even now. Judgment is unstable. It's all uncertain. It's fearful. But listen, how steady and sure is the grace and mercy that God offers us now in Jesus Christ. Ours forever. Ours in lasting experience. This God of violent and destructive judgment who will one day come upon the earth as a lion has already come as a lamb. It is somewhat uncertain what the experience will be if you come before him as the judging lion. It's a fearful thought. Cataclysmic. Chaotic. Destructive. Violent. But we know how he acted as a lamb. We know that as a savior he came and we take him now as that lamb and we'll be safe in him, secure in him forever and ever. Tis mercy all. Thanks for joining us today. I trust that God would seal these words to your heart. If you want a copy of this broadcast, just reach out to us at breadoflifeboise.org. Until next time, God bless you.